a short verse, just uh, simple. The, the thoughts here in this verse are very terse, if that's the word for it. John chapter 13, verse number 17, just the one verse, and we'll stop and pray after that, and then we'll get into the lesson. John 13, 17, Jesus said, If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Lord, thanks for this, your word, and, and the clarity of it, and the, the simplicity of it. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to to kind of investigate and kind of um, discover the things that you'd have for us, the truths that are in the issue here before us, and that is of following through, of applying the Word of God to our hearts, to our lives, uh, obeying, not just listening or heeding or knowing, but to go further than that and to do them. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us. Help us today as we look to your Word. We ask that you'd be with us in these uh, simple thoughts this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> we just went through a revival, and I'm telling you, the Lord blessed. Blessed my heart. For those of you that were here for a part or all of the revival, then you can agree with me that the Lord just really spoke, I mean, um, very, very clearly. And I thank the Lord. I asked the Lord to speak to my heart, and if he does, then I assume that the Lord speaks to others here, but uh, it's just wonderful. Prayed, asked God to do that. He came through with clear messages that, uh, that using the Word of God in application to where I live and the things that I was facing, uh, just wonderful, wonderful. I'm going to be talking about following through with what the Lord speaks to you about, to what the Lord has been dealing with you through His Word. Whenever you get into the Word of God, listening to the truth there, knowing the truth, understanding, learning the truth, that's one thing, but then the uh, other thing is in following through or application of that word, as we read in our text. If you know these things, Jesus said, he's talking about some things that he was, you know, he's washing the disciples' feet and he was teaching them a lesson and then he's speaking to the disciples and he says this truth or any truth, folks, it's the same in the word of God Knowing them is one thing, but doing them is going beyond. That's where the blessing is. If you know these things, happy are ye, Jesus said, if you do them. In Luke chapter 6, verse number 46, same thoughts here. Where Jesus is giving this illustration, this, this example, to help us to understand. <clears throat> we don't, don't just hear the word, but we apply it. Luke 6, 46. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not... The things which I say, whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. Okay, it's the person that hears, but then applies them, pays attention to, heeds the word. Not just hears the word, but heeds the word, does them. He hears the word and then does them. Verse 48, he is like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood rose and the streams beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth. Another 
uh, rendition of this in another gospel is the sand. We sing that little children's song, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And then the, the foolish man built his house upon the sand. Well, there was no foundation. Earth, mud, sand, whatever it was, no foundation. Not a rock or not concrete or whatever that you'd build uh, a, a, a firm house upon. So uh, it says, he built his house, okay, uh, in verse 49 again. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man without a foundation built an house upon the earth against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Now he's talking about the difference between just listening or hearing the word or hearing it and doing the word, applying it. Matthew chapter 28, verse number 20. This is what the Lord gave his church. The marching orders for the church was to go into all the world. But then in verse 20, uh, verse 20 he says, teaching them to observe. Now we're to take the, the, the Bible and to bring it out to the, to the crowd and, and to, to teach them not just to listen or hear or learn the lesson, but to apply the lesson, to observe, to do it. Teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I've commanded you, and lo, I am with you always. It goes on. Romans chapter 2, verse 13. For not the hearers of the law are just before God or justified, but the doers of the law shall be justified. Big difference between the hearers and the doers. To do, you have to hear, you have to understand, you have to have that first part, but it's going on beyond just hearing the law, but doing the law, applying it, obeying it. 1 John uh, 1, verse number 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, the first one says, I say I know him, I say I walk with him. It's just words. No, but if we actually do walk with him, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. So it's one just knowing about it, and another actually doing it, actually walking the walk, not just talking the talk. Revelation 22, verse number 7. Behold, I come quickly, Jesus said. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. Keeping it. That means obeying it, doing it. Not just hearing it, but doing it, obeying, applying it. And so we're talking about following through. We've had a great meeting this week. Brother Jones, our speaker, was used of the Lord to speak to us about many things. Now every revival or special meeting that we've ever had here seems to emphasize certain things that we need to focus on and take heed to, and they're all different. They're, uh, we ask the Lord and I ask specifically, God, give us what you want us to know and hear. Focus, emphasize the things that you would have for us to, to, to get. The Lord specializes in dealing with certain issues in our lives just at the right time. I don't know you, but many, many times I've come to a service and, um, well, if I'm preaching, I know what's going to be said, but if I come to a service where somebody else is preaching, I have a certain need, I'm praying about it, I'm asking God to clarify something or, or show me something or speak to me about something, and he does, about that very thing. And I'm wondering, wow, that's wonderful. It's like, what a coincidence, yeah, right, it's not a coincidence. 
it's the Lord. It's, it's him speaking. And he knows what to give, what to emphasize, what to focus on just at the right time. When I got saved, I was immersed in negative lifestyles, immorality, drugs, uh, and things that were dangerous to me. I also had long hair. It's just hard for you to un- imagine that because you've known your preacher, you know, looking like I look. And uh, I have a picture of my high school uh, ID, and you would laugh. You know, I had hair down my back. I really did. I had long hair, which is a shame for a man to have, according to 1 Corinthians eleven fourteen, where the Bible says if a man have long hair, it's a shame unto him. Um, but I wasn't, I was on the other side of, I was not in, in Christianity at all, not in church. And so, you know, whatever God's values were, they were not mine. And then I get saved, but I got saved with long hair. And um, I didn't get a haircut right away. The Lord dealt with me according to the urgent need. The need that I had. He, he worked on me getting my preferences aligned with his intended preferences a little at a time. If you have, happen to have acid reflux or a problem with acid reflux. I remember a guy talking about that years and years ago, and I didn't know anything about it. And I said, whatever. Now I deal with it, and I go, oh, I know what you're talking about. I have sympathy because of my, you know, bout with that. Let's say you have acid, acid reflux or something like that. And here in the services, you have cardiac arrest. And we send for an aid car, and the, the ambulance comes, and when they show up, um, they won't wait till arriving at the hospital even to administer CPR if that's needed or whatever. They won't bother to diagnose your acid reflux problem and give you some medication that would help you with acid reflux on the way to the hospital. Um, there's n- no technician would pay much attention to maybe if you had toenail fungus in the ambulance ride, you know. Oh, no, we're losing him. I can hear that. He's flatlining. Get the paddles. Clear. And one of the technicians says, oh, man, look at his feet. Hey, Bob, uh, would you uh, pass me that uh, tenact in there? I, I think this would help his toenail. It's not going you know, to, why? Because there, there are some bigger issues to deal with at that time. You know what I mean? There are some problems that you have at that, at that point. There are bigger fish to fry at the moment. And the reason why it took for, for me so long to get a haircut, let's say, or to, you know, develop in so many other different areas in my life is because I was a mess. I was disastrous in a dangerous place. And uh, uh, so there's things like developing a Bible reading program or learning fidelity to church or whatever. I was drowning. I was drowning and I, I was on a dangerous place when the Lord saved me. And there was some bigger issues at the time. I was going under for the last time. And when he put out his hand to rescue me from death, man, I tell you, uh, I was all, in, all focused on that. That's not to say that the Lord didn't deal with me on these other issues as I gained stability here and, you know, there was no uh, urgent things that were primary. And, and you know what? The Lord knows how to do in your life, just where you're at, and, and to help you in the situation where you're at. Some of you here today are still lost. You're not saved. You're not going to be going to heaven. If you were to die right now, 
you're doomed. You're going to face the, the celestial courtroom unrepresented by the advocate of the Lord Jesus Christ. You think that you're halfway decent and you, you're going to make it because, what, you're related to Christians. You go to a good church. You uh, memorize Bible verses. All of those things are wonderful, but you don't really have assurance. You think that if you say some words or read some things or maybe attend church or have connection with believers that you're saved. No, that doesn't make you saved. Friend, pay attention. Listen. It's the applying of God's word that makes the difference, not just learning about God's word. There's still no inner desire to please God. You, you, you don't have that. I remember looking at Christians prior to salvation thinking, what in the world? whatever floats your boat, you know, they're kind of weird, they're fanatical, you know, just they're going on and on about things that I had no clue. I didn't know why they were so uptight about certain things and why they were, there were so, so many, uh, there were important issues to them that were not important to me at all, like being faithful to the Lord or reading my Bible or whatever. I didn't have, didn't have a desire to those things. <clears throat> but some people are like that. They, they don't have a, a hatred towards sin today. There's no, no fundamental change in your life that brought you from darkness unto light. You don't have that, that conversion experience. And you think just learning about the Lord is enough. It's not. It's not. You can learn all about the Lord. See, your reality is the verse that we read in uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse number 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness. You can say whatever you want to say, but the reality is you're not in the light. That means you're living a lie. That's what he said. You're lying. You're not the truth. It's a big lie. You're trying to convince yourself and others that you're okay, that they don't need to be fanatical about following God. You don't have to do that. That's not salvation. Salvation is not... Maybe you're advice to others is you can be hypocritical about your faith and still be a Christian. Why? Well, because I am. No. What the, where did you get that from? Where do, you, where do you get that from? Obviously, it's from a hypocrite that you're putting your eyes on. You say, See, they're okay. It's not real to them. And they're doing okay. They say that they're saved and stuff, and you're trusting in that? You're trusting in the life of a hypocrite rather than the Spirit of God speaking to your heart and showing your, your need, showing the, 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 uh, the law of liberty, and, and, and you're ignoring that, looking at others? <clears throat> you see, the, the problem is you need repentance. Now, listen, we got some that are um, teenagers that have been going to this church for a long time because... Your mom or your dad or both say, you're going to be in church. <laughs> you're coming. I'd rather sleep in. No, excuse me, son, daughter, you're coming. And so you're here. You're here in church because you're expected to or whatever. And, and I don't blame you. Really, really, young person, I don't blame you that, for, that you're thinking that once you're on your own, you're out of here. You're gone. I don't do this church thing anymore. 
the reason why I, I could understand that is because um, to come to the church and hear you're lost, you're, you're going to die and go to hell, you're not right with God over and over and over and over again, that's, that's discouraging. You want to go to church or you want to go be around positive things. You, wanna, you don't want that. <laughs> I, I've given this illustration before, but it was amazing. It was amazing. Back in, let's see, it got saved in 74, so this must have been, I don't know, 76 or so that uh, I, I saw Phil Donahue. Anybody know who Phil Donahue is? Okay. He was, a, you know, um, one of the talk show hosts, and I don't even know if he's alive today. Is he alive? Anyway, nobody knows. Anyway, <laughs> significant personality. Anyway, he would he had he had people that were on his show, and he had different things, and it's kind of like the Jerry Springer, you know, of his day. Phil Donahue had this panel of, and he called it uh, Fundamentalist Anonymous or something like that. It was it was people that grew up in churches like this church that has an absolute truth that we go by, something that the Bible is very clear and. And God's righteousness is exalted, and, and sin is condemned. And it was a church like this, it's black and white, you know. Uh, uh, your preacher is black and white. You know, that's when I go to Starbucks, I get a black and white. <laughs> I really do. I like the, the white chocolate and the dark chocolate. Dark chocolate's not sweet enough. White chocolate's too sweet. I put it together, and I, <laughs> I drink black and white. I preach black and white, you know. Really, I do, because I, I see what the, the Bible says. This is... This is, thus saith the Lord, and if it's not, then it's not, and this is right, this is wrong, and it's a church like this. And by the way, churches like this will be called authoritarian, like it's something that's really bad. Today, in today's society, that's an authoritarian church. Well, when you come to the word of God and the thus saith the Lord, that's pretty authoritarian. And the thing about it is, we're not making the decisions. You nor I are making the decisions. It's God that makes the decisions. It's God that comes through and says, this is right and this is wrong, and so you, you're like that. But anyway, um, so it was uh, this panel that was uh, Fundamentalist Anonymous or whatever this was of people that have, were, grew up in churches like this, and they hated it. And they, they gave the microphone to each one of these on the panel, and, well, give us your experiences. And one would sit there and say, when I was growing up, man, I would go to church, and the only thing I would ever hear was that, that we're sinners, we're sinners, we're sinners, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner. Just hated it, I couldn't stand it. You know what the Bible says? <laughs> You're sinners. I'm a sinner. All have sinned. I'm going in, in uh, the teen department. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none righteous, no, not one. Yeah, that's exactly what God says. But he gives that so that we can come to the solution. So we can hear about the, the, uh, the remedy. You got to first know that you're a sinner. Anyway, so this guy says, that's all I heard. I'm a sinner, and I just hated that. And so, you know, when I got old enough to get away from that, man, I got away from that. and man, Never have to, you know, that's so, that's so terrible. That's, that's so frustrating. It's so, so uh, 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 what's a word that they use? Confining. Well, you're a sinner. <laughs> that's what the Bible says. And the next one would say, I got to this place where, you know, and, and what, they exp what they described was conviction. That's what they were describing. I know that because I experienced it prior to coming to Christ. I experienced that conviction. I remember coming to the place to where I'm feeling like, wow, this means me, and 
And I, you know, I can't make the grade and I can't please God. And that's what the Bible says. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I was getting it. And I was feeling just like this one person said, yeah, I, I felt like I was just, I was just unworthy and I couldn't, I couldn't, you know, please God. And it was, it was just terrible. And, it's, and, and you know what the difference between me and them? I got saved. <laughs> I came, I broke. And I said, Lord, you're right. I'm a sinner. I need you, and I don't have them. And, and Lord, what you have is what I And you know what? He made a change in my heart and my life where it's, it's changed everything. But if I stayed in conviction, I looked just like that. And the next guy, they, they asked him, so give us your experience. And each one of them described conviction to a T. Yeah, I understand how awful that is. Sure, I understand how, how uncomfortable that is. I want to tell you, folks, the worst time in my life ever was those days prior to me coming to Christ. I was under such conviction. I was under, and it was, it was terrible. And this is from the comforter? Well, before salvation, he's the uncomforter. <laughs> uncomfortable or uncomforter? Well, anyway, um, yeah, makes you feel like, your sin is exceeding sinful. That's what the Bible says. That's what God does. Highlights your sin. Makes you, it brings it out to where you can't. There was, there was a gal that got saved in Chicago, and she was the one that was bringing me and my sisters to church um, when, early when we first got saved. And uh, she gives her, her testimony. She was working downtown Chicago. And if you've ever heard the Unshackled, it's uh, Pacific Garden Mission. It's stories about uh, through Pacific Garden Mission is like um, the one downtown Seattle. It's a, a rescue mission, rescue mission in in Chicago, and they would feed the bums and they would take care of them and they you know and then they preach to them and they try to you know house them and whatever you know you know help them. They're on the street and they they lost everything and so they're tr trying to rehabilitate them and they preach the gospel to them. Well, at the Pacific Garden Mission. It was on Rush, they call it Rush Street, downtown Chicago. Uh, I don't even know if it's still there. Maybe they've changed location. I think it's still in existence. But then, uh, right next to Pacific Garden Mission, there's this big, tall building where they had this bunkhouses and whatever. And I don't know, it must have been 20 stories high or something like that. The, the next building was the 666 Lounge. <laughs> it was a bar, the Devil's Bar, right next to the Pacific Garden Mission. But it... it the, the thing about it is, it was only one story. And so there was 19 stories of big flat brick that they painted Bible verses on. <laughs> and, and the verse that happened to be there on this, the side of this building was, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And my friend, who was lost at the time, had to drive to work, and there at Rush Street, it was always busy. It was always traffic jam. And day after day after day, she'd have to be there, and this staring her in the face was about her sin. All oh, have sinned. Yeah! You know, and, and she felt like, okay, yeah, I'm a sinner. I know that. You know, and the next day, she's, you know, this is what God says. All oh, have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that this, just the thought of that, just, you know, it just started bugging her. Her sin, you know, about her sin. What do you do with your sin? What do you, what do you, how do you take care of your sin? How do you get rid of your sin? How do you cleanse your sin? And it just, it consumed her. She went to her priest, and you know what her priest told her? 
Ah, forget about it. Just go watch a movie or something. Don't worry about that. Listen, this is what God says. All have sinned. Now, the reason why God says that is to bring us to the place where we, we have solution. We have the, uh, uh, the, the, uh, the, the remedy of God. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And then the, the Bible says the wages for sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. That's what it points you to. Anyway, <clears throat> this, this situation of conviction is very, very uncomfortable. And so for those of you that I know you're just waiting on the time to where ready, set, go, boom, I'm out of here. Never in church again. I'm not going to listen to that stuff again. I, nobody's going to make me. I understand that. I know you're going to bolt. You know you're going to bolt. Everybody knows that. Let me, let, me, let me reason with you. The only reason why these things are being preached is because I love you. Because God loves you. Before you bolt, before you turn it off forever, before you, you just re reject everything, I want to tell you, God loves you. He doesn't want you to stay in your sin. He wants something so much better than your sin could ever get you, give you. I'm telling you, God has the solution. He has happiness. But it's only in application. If you stay like where those fundamentalists, anonymous, if you stay where I was prior to coming to Christ, yeah, it's the worst. It's, it's awful. Conviction is terrible. It's awful, 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 awful. But once you get saved, the sun comes out, the birds start singing. You have a relationship with the Lord. And then you can truly be happy. Um, anyway, what I'm saying is what you're hearing in the word of God, it's for your good. I'm, I'm trying to, to make it clear for you so that you can do something about it. If you don't do something about the word of God, that's what we're talking about here. All of these verses talk about applying, observing the Bible, walking, actually doing it. Not just hearing or you know listening, but heeding, doing it. There are some that God is dealing with when it comes to following him. I mean, truly following him. This is going to require a change, a change in your habits, a change in your entertainment, a change in the friends that you hang around. You know what? There are some people that are caustic spiritually. I mean, poison. They're just toxic spiritually. And you know what? They're your, your close friends. You're around them a lot. And you, you better figure out what you're going to do because that's going to affect you. It really is. If you want to you wanna avoid that, then you're going to have to change your friends. You're going to have to change uh, uh, what, what actually happen, happens in your life. Your entertainment has got to change. Your attitudes have to... We're talking about a change in your life. It's time to wake up. It's time to begin to apply the word of God. So therefore, you will, you will grow. You will mature. You'll take the next step. You'll learn. You, you, can, you, can, you can invest in the, the, the work of God. Romans 13, 11. And that knowing the time that now, Paul says, it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ 
and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. <clears throat> it's high time, he says. It's about time to wake up. You've been sleeping long enough. That was the first scripture after salvation, after I got saved, when there was a change in my life. I didn't know that God was going to be making these vast changes in my heart, my attitude, my desires, my aspirations. I didn't know God was going to change me like that. After I got saved, I mean, let me say this. Prior to that time, I would read the Bible and, you know, I might try to memorize a verse, you know, get it up here. It meant nothing to me. I read the Bible, it means nothing to me. I don't get it. You know, they're just, I don't get it. You know, it's like these, did you ever see those, those pictures that have something in there that's, you got to kind of look at it funny and tilt your head or something and stare at it for a while and it, and it comes out, oh, I get it, I see it. You know, it's, yeah, there you go. And, and you know what? I, I'm, looking at, I'm looking at the Bible just like that. I don't get it. I don't get it. What is it that everybody's getting around here? I don't get it. I mean, that was me before, the, before I, I came to Christ, trying to get into the Bible. After salvation, this was the very first verse I read. And God spoke to me big time. <laughs> I, I, remember, I opened my Bible and I said, okay, well, let me uh, read what God says. And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake. Get up. Hey, you've been sleeping long enough. Get up. And I'm going, whoa, God's talking to me. I mean, I didn't hear that audibly. He was speaking in my heart, and he was using the word of God, and it, was, it meant something to me. It was like, wow, something's different. Because it was, it was, it was time to wake up. It was time to, uh, to, to progress. Maybe the Lord hadn't dealt with you about these things in your life before, and, you know, that's good. But when God gets to that place where he's dealing with you about something, then you got to pay attention. <clears throat> but this thing is going to take you heeding the word of God, applying the word, listening to the word, not just hearing it, not just learning the lesson up in your head, doing it. That's what these verses, over and over and over. you got to do it, not just heed not, or hear, but you have to heed. In the various passages of Scripture that we read, they all have a common theme of applying the word of God, not just hearing the word, obeying it, doing it, having it change us, following through with the word of God. We've been blessed with a great week of biblical instruction this last week. Your regular Bible reading will give you plenty of direction, plenty of light when you read the word of God. The classes that you participate in will help you to understand the Bible. All of this is good, but all of it is in vain if you don't apply it. You have to put it to practice to have it do anything for you. Keeping the sayings. Revelation 22, blessed is he that keepeth. Not just hears it or, or you know, you read it, but keeps it. Walking in the truth more than just merely saying the truth. 1 John 6, 7, if we say and do not the truth, but if we walk in the light, now there's the difference. It's walking, it's applying it. Observing. Obeying, following, applying, Matthew 28, 20, we read that, teaching them to observe all things, not just to hear it, learn it, to walk it, to do it, observe it. Romans 2, 13, to do, for not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers. See, the illustration used by Luke, building the house on the rock as opposed to the sand, is either doing or not doing the instruction. That's what he said. 
All the time, all the material, all the investment into a house with no foundation is going to be lost. Luke chapter 6, verse 49 says, and the ruin of that house was great. That means everything that you do. See, folks, everybody's building a house. Your, your buildings, your, the structure that represents you in your life. All you do, the sum of your whole life is either worth something or in the final evaluation, lost, destroyed, taken away. It's no wonder that suicide accompanies stock market, market crashes and tragedies or losses of wealth or maybe somebody loses a loved one and then there are suicides uh, you know, that, are, that are connected to that. Why? Because whatever it is that they had, they lost and now there's nothing left. And see, Jesus said it's great loss, not just loss. He says uh, the ruin of that house was great. Who's he talking about? Somebody that hears the word of God but doesn't do it. Anyone who puts their investment into temporary banks, they're going to hurt. It's the ones who apply the word. They win. I mean, that foundation is, is sure and, and it's, it's lasting. I've given this illustration before, and those of you that know me, I only have one life, and so <laughs> you've heard this one before. Uh, illustration number 62, but I had a, a, a uh, roommate when I was in Bible college. It was four to a room, and uh, his name was Artie, Artie Hobbs, and, <clears throat> and we're all there at night, and everybody's, you know, studying for the test in the next day, and, you know, it's quiet, and we're all, you know, there's a big table, and we're sitting there, you know, reading our different lessons or whatever, and, um, um, Artie was a, a great guy. He was a likable guy, but he's kind of gullible. And so I looked over to Artie, and I said, uh, hey, Artie, how coordinated are you? And he says, well, I don't know. I guess I'm coordinated. So I said, did you ever see that, that uh, uh, quarter coordination test? He said, no. I said, you got a quarter? He, he gave me a quarter. He, said, he put it on the back of your hand, and you flip it over like that. Try to you know, flip it on, your, on your, the back of your hand. See if you can do that. And he, he did that and got it. Oh, pretty good, you know. And then you take it and, you, you know, you throw it from one hand to the other and catch it on the other and different things like that, you know. And one of the, one of the tests was you, you take that quarter and you hold it down on a piece of paper and you take a pencil. Without uh, taking the pencil up off the paper, you, you know, make a circle around that pencil to where the, the, the line is drawn all the way around. Can you do that? Doing that whole thing. And, okay, he did. Great. Hey, you passed that one. The next one is you take that quarter and you put it at the top, you hold it on both sides like this and like a wheel, you put it at the top of your head and see if you can go down your face until to your chin. See if you can do that without dropping the quarter. Okay. Well, he just took that and, and put the lead on the outside of the quarter, you know. And so when he did that, it made this line all the way down his face. I mean, did you ever see those, you know, I, I use Dove and this side of my face. That's what it looked like. You know, he had a line. I mean, a perfect line. And he didn't know it. And, and here's the other three guys. We're just going, you know, and he, and he man, okay, yeah, it's good. And he, he's got this line. <laughs> and now what? Well, now you got to try it with this finger and do that with, you know, you know make the, the line. And now you take the, the, the quarter and go from ear to ear, you know. And, <laughs> and uh, that poor guy, he looked like a flag when it's all said and done how many lines I had on his face. And he didn't know, he didn't get it. He didn't, 
you know, and everybody else is laughing. You look at him, he looked really weird. He's got these lines on his <laughs> We did our best to try to just not say anything about it, you know. And after a while, you know, it was funny. You stopped laughing, you know. And so we went on. Did, he never did figure it out. He went, he, went, <laughs> he went over to the mirror, and he looked at himself, and he goes, Oh, 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 what's going on? What's wrong? What's <laughs> And then everybody starts laughing because uh, he finally, you know, saw what we did to his face, you know. I felt bad, but not really bad. But anyway, <laughs> if, he would have, if he would have looked at himself right there in the mirror and saw those stupid lines and then, you know, just forgot about that and went to class, he would have been a dummy. <laughs> you know what he did? He washed his face right there, you know, he got it off. Um, <clears throat> James chapter 1, verse 22. This is what the Bible says. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Okay? Remember, we're talking about doing, not just listening to, learning the word of God, but applying it. Be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer only, a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself and goeth his way and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. He says, listen, if you're going to just hear the word of God, and it shows you who you are, it shows you your condition. I mean, lays it all out there. And if you see who you are and you don't do anything about it, you don't repent, you don't visit the altar when you need to, you don't speak to God about what he speaks to you about cleaning up your life or, or getting yourself pure for him to use. Hey, listen, you, you know, when God speaks to me, speaks to you, we need to do something about it. And if we don't, we go like that man that looks in the, in the mirror, sees, oh, wow, what happened? And then forgets about it and doesn't wash his face and looks dumb all day long. <laughs> no, no, this is like a mirror, you know? We see ourselves. We see exactly where we're at. What do you do about it? See, that's the question. What do you do about it? Do you, do you apply it? Do you put it to practice? He goes on to say, um, <clears throat> But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer, a doer, folks, a doer, a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his tongue, see, he's talking about here people that say that they're religious or close to God or whatever, and they're not. It doesn't show in their actions. It doesn't show in what their speech. It doesn't show in their, their, their relationship to others. That's called hypocrisy. No, no, you take the word and you do it. You apply it. That's what he says. If you're like that, that man's religion is in vain. Okay, so let's get back to our text passage. <clears throat> John chapter 13. Um, you remember, like I say, in that passage, the Lord is kind of showing with the illustration of washing the disciples' feet, talking about humility. That particular lesson, he says in verse number 16, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that sent greater than he that sent him. That was one lesson that the word of God was teaching in humility to these disciples, to, to the ministers of, of the gospel. And so he's teaching this lesson. So... It could be any lesson, no matter what the Word of God says. The truth of the Word of God, when it's out there, and then this is what Jesus said, verse 17. If ye know these things, happy are ye 
if you do them. He didn't say, if you know these things, you're happy. If you learn the lesson, if you check the right boxes, if you memorize the verse, uh, then you're happy or it changes things or it brings fruit. No, it, he did not say that. Pay attention, be careful with Jesus' words. If you know these things, then he says, happy are ye if you do them. You've got to do it. You've got to apply it. So simply, we're looking at three or four things and we'll be done. Uh, talking about applying the word of God. Number one, both knowing and doing are necessary. You can't be happy if you don't know it in the first place. So you do have to learn the lesson. You do have to be, uh, be exposed to the truth of the gospel. Any and every Bible truth is critical to know. You've got to know what the Word of God says. Hey, listen, you've you got to be in there. You've got to learn. You've got to get in, that, in that, that class, and you've got to learn what the Word of God says. You've got to study to show yourself approved unto God. Hey, we're going to have a test on this book before the Lord. It's important for us to know these things. We've got to know the Word of God. If one doesn't know the truth, then they cannot apply it, can they? They can't do it. They can't heed it. Half of the Great Commission is the dissemination of the truth. Go teach all nations. That's what, what Jesus said. That's our job. Go and teach all nations. That's half, only half of the Great Commission. Teach all nations, and it goes on. But then applying it is where it yields fruit. Matthew 28, verse 20. Remember that verse? Teaching them to observe all things. Whatsoever I have commanded you. To observe. Folks, that's the other half. You need both. But you can't leave out one or the other or else it's not going to work. You can't just do something you don't, don't know to do. You've got to learn, okay? Both knowing and doing are necessary. If you don't know your Bible, <clears throat> then the Holy Spirit cannot guide you in all of his truth. John 14, 26. But the Comforter, that's the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, Jesus said, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So you know what? Jesus said, if you know what I've said to you, you got it in there, the Spirit of God can take and bring those things out when you need it. If you got it in the first place, if you learned the, the lesson, if you heard it in the first place, if you don't know what God says, the, the Spirit of God can't bring that out. I'm telling you what, there's many, many times in my life, in my day, that... <clears throat> I need direction and guidance. Something happens, and I, immediately I think this is what the Bible says, and a verse will come to my mind. You know what? I don't think it's because I'm a great Bible scholar. You know what I think? I think I got a great Holy Spirit, a great comforter that takes those things that Jesus said in all of his word, all of the word of God, and brings them to my remembrance. He can't bring them to your remembrance, and you use it and apply it and, and be benefited by it if you don't have it there in the first place. You've got to know it. You've got to have it in there to begin with. You know the, the, the Bible. Know the Word in Bible reading, your, your devotions every day, in classes here, in, in classes, Bible classes that you attend, uh, in scriptural songs, sometimes a song, you know. A song is great if it's Bible. Consent thou not, consent thou not, my son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not, consent thou not, consent thou not, 
My son, if sinners entice thee, consent thou not consent. It's like one of those that goes on and on and on, never stops. We teach that to our young people every once in a while, and that's a really cool little ditty there, you know, consent thou not, consent thou not. And you know what? Aside from driving you crazy, because you, you know, hear that over and over and over again, uh, you know what? They're in a situation, and little Billy and little Joey, they get together, and they're saying, come on, Tommy, let's go and, you know, throw rocks at the window. And, you know, and I'm thinking, consent thou not, consent thou not. You know what? That's good. That's good. The Spirit of God could do that. Could take that Bible verse and bring it up to your remembrance to apply it in the right way. That's good. That's a good thing. Praise the Lord. You know, because you, uh, of the, it's in there in the first place. You've got to have it in there in the first place. Um, you, you know the, the Bible. You learn them in songs, in teaching the Word of God, learning the lessons, in church services. Folks, just be here. You know, the, you know what the most discouraging thing is, and, and Brother Jones mentioned this, you know, he says, you can encourage a preacher if you're here at every service that you could be. <clears throat> Some didn't get any. Maybe got one service, and they could have done. You know, I know if you work or you're sick or whatever, you can't be you can't be in attendance. Hey, listen, the Lord knows that. But if you can be and you miss it, oh, that's discouraging. You know, there's been more times that I've heard this this week. Oh, this week, I heard a message that applies so um, tightly <laughs> to. A particular person that I've been praying about, and the preacher preached it. Um, I can't remember Monday or Tuesday, whenever he preached it, and I said, "Oh, thank God! I'm, I didn't say that. He said it. It's the word of God. Maybe it'll get through." I've been praying for that person to look around. They missed it. They're not even here. Not even here. You never know what God's going to do. You know how God's going to, you know, speak to you through the word of God. You, you, you be faithful. Be faithful to the, the Lord's house. And, and just, you know, just be there. Anyway, um, Psalm 68, 11, The Lord gave the word. Great was the company of those that published it. Hey, join us here in, in being involved in outreach and getting the word of God out to this community. That's what we're doing with missionaries to our community, to, to friends, learning how to how, win others to Christ. Hey, be involved in that. So, but what you got to understand, point number one about applying the word. Number one, both knowing and doing are necessary in this equation that Jesus said. Number two, happiness comes of doing. You remember our text, John 13, 17? If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Happiness comes of doing, not knowing, not just knowing, but doing. Without doing, there's no effect. There's no change. There's no power. You get no fruit from the Word of God. It's the doing that makes the difference, folks. The getting involved. Have you ever been in a service to where some people are so excited and God blesses them so much and some people are a wet blanket? And, and they leave that saying, I never was in such a oppressive service. I didn't get nothing out of the Word. You know, whatever. You know, it's like, what happened there? Is, there, is the Holy Spirit only dealing with some? Well, you know, some are invested and some are not. When you're invested, when you're involved, it makes a big difference. It really does. I had uh, this, this uh, um, investment <clears throat> that I, just recently I was able to, uh, 
partake in and to join. And it's, you know, uh, we're looking at, the more I get older, the closer I get to retirement, the more I'm concerned about retirement. <laughs> you know, so anyway, here's this thing that's, you know, I want to I wanna make sure that this thing is doing good and flying right and whatever. I'm invested. You know what? Before I was invested, who cares? I, I couldn't care what happens there. If I'm invested in it, then I want to know it's going to do good. I'm all in, you know, all in. Hey, folks, getting all in to the Word of God, to the church, to the, to the things of God, that's what you, you want to do. Happiness comes of the involvement of doing. Number three, applying the Word. We're talking about applying the Word. Both knowing and doing are necessary. Happiness comes of doing. Number three, self-deception accompanies inactivity. You remember that verse, James 1.22? But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. You know what? When we are not involved, we fool ourselves. We think we're getting it, or we think we're in, or we think we're... No, 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 no. If you're not doing the word, you're involved in deceiving, but not deceiving others. Or sometimes you're trying to deceive others. That doesn't work. But it's self-deception. You think you're okay. You think you're going to heaven. You think you're, you're uh, you know, connected and you're not. You're, you're, you know why? Because you're, you've not invested. You're, you're not involved. You're not doing. Be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, because if you hear only, then you're going to be deceiving your own selves. We think that knowing is everything. It's not, folks. 1 Corinthians 8, verse number 1, now is touching things offered unto idols. We know that we have knowledge that we all have knowledge. And he says, hang on, be careful. Paul says, knowledge puffeth up, but charity edifieth. If any man think that he knoweth anything, he knoweth nothing yet as he ought to know. Because you know what happens with knowledge? Knowing the Bible? You know, I've seen this too many times. Some Bible scholar, I mean, they know it. They can teach it. They, they can parse it. They can, they can understand. They've got a balance of the Word of God. They know the Word of God. And it's not applied in their life or maybe not even going to church. What? Well, they know, but they're not, they're not doing. Self-deception accompanies inactivity. It's the one who knows a lot who is ripe for self-deception. If you know, if you know, and a lot of times, you know, a person's in church a while, and they know these things, they know the, you know, you go to church, and I've heard this before, I've heard, you know, preaching from this text, click, you know, you can just turn it off and not become engaged and whatever. And then, you know, you know this and you know that. I know everything. And you know what? Before, not, before long, you're bitter and you're, you're outside and you're not involved. You're not, you know why? Because you're deceiving your own selves. Be doers, not hearers, only deceiving your own selves. And then the last thing, applying empowers the word. When you apply the word of God. John 13, 17, our text again. If you know these things, Jesus said, happy are ye if you do them. The change in attitude, the blessing, the fruit comes if you do them. Applying it empowers the word. Two people could hear the same message, be in the same service, read the same text. One applies and is blessed. And one hears it and gets nothing. One gets blessed and gains a blessing and one, nothing. One's changed, the other's not. And you know what I want to do? I want to be affected. I want to be blessed. I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, according to Jesus, that requires 
doing requires involvement, requires investment. You're never going to see the, the, the work of God, love it like that from the outside in. You've got to be on the in. Let's do. Let's do. So he says, if you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. Every head bowed. Nobody looking for just a moment.